to Musically Speaking on 91.9 KVCR. I'm Margaret Worsley. For our January show today, we'll hear about concert plans for two of the three major symphonies in our Inland Empire region. Anthony Parnther with the San Bernardino Symphony Orchestra is here to share information about their upcoming February performance featuring Mozart, Shostakovich, and award-winning composer Carlos Simon. But first, let's hear about the Riverside Philharmonic's plans for their respective season from music director Tomas Golka. Tomas Golka, thank you so much for talking with us today about your upcoming programs with the Riverside Phil. Thank you for having me. Let's start with your approaching February 25th concert program, which is titled With Mirth and Laughter. Can you describe to our listeners the repertoire and meaning behind that theme? Uh, Well, the title, first of all, comes from a Shakespeare quote, With Mirth and Laughter, Let Wrinkles Come, which is a quote from The Merchant of Venice. And uh, it alludes to some of the um, two-sided, some of the comedy behind some of these pieces and some of the sense of humor, as well as um, just the concept of composer's twilight years. So, for example, with the Beethoven String Quartet, Opus 135, that's his final finished major piece that he wrote. Um, And we're going to be doing that with the full classical-sized string section, including double basses, for that matter. Mm. Um, So that's really one of his great masterpieces. It's it's actually a relatively short piece, but it's it's rarely done. And uh, I think that there's a certain power to it that comes from playing it with a full string section rather than just a string quartet. It's something that has been done. Leonard Bernstein did it. Chandler Vig did it. A lot of different conductors did it. Um, also on the program is Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's Symphony Number no. 29 in A major. It's a very famous piece, one of his first examples of his really mature style. of Mozart as this young precocious genius that was just writing masterpieces from age seven. I personally don't think that's the case at all. I think, (laughs) yes, he was writing music, but I don't think he wrote anything even relatively close to a masterpiece until he was about 17 or 18, Um, as opposed to a composer like Mendelssohn, who was writing masterpieces at like 12. Yeah, Um, you got to acknowledge the process. (laughs) Yes, yes. So uh, this 29th symphony is really one of Mozart's early, just gorgeous, gorgeous pieces. And as in every single piece of his, there's no matter how touching the music, he's never far away from a sense of humor. So there's always kind of a a, a lighthearted quality to it. Yeah. Also on the program is one of my favorite historical figures in music. uh, uh, That's the composer Saint-Georges. Joseph Boulon Chevalier de Saint Georges, to say his full name, mm-hmm. and he was a, a black composer from uh, Guadeloupe. Mm-hmm. 
he had just a fascinating life. This is a contemporary of Mozart. In fact, Mozart was greatly influenced uh, by St. George. St. George was one of the leading uh, violinists and conductors and, believe it or not, swordsmen in all of Europe. <laughs> like, like, with a, like a sword, like with fencing. Like with a sword, as in, yes, let's duel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, a fascinating, fascinating figure who lived a tragic life. Uh, needless to say, Europeans were not necessarily, for the most part, open to a man with dark skin being among them as an equal, even though he was not only an equal, he was beyond most of them in, in terms of uh, skill and intelligence and just so many things. A fascinating, wonderful person. Um, <clears throat> who had a rough life, obviously, mm. but he did, his father brought him to, to Paris and he had some of the greatest opportunities there that were possible. And uh, his music wasn't really heard until in the kind of relatively neat, uh, recent past. Uh, so we're fortunate now to live in a time when we have you know, manuscripts and sheet music available, readily available. Of his, and we're doing a piece called the Overture to the Anonymous Lover, uh, L'Amant Anonyme, uh, which is one of his operas, and it's a, something that Riverside Philharmonic and I recorded during the pandemic. So this is the first time we're actually playing it live, but you can go online and watch a performance of it on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. concert is uh, the Siranda da Sete Notas, which is the Siranda, it's a type of dance of the seven notes by uh, Hitor Villalobos, a, a Brazilian composer. With, uh, it's for bassoon and strings, and it features our principal bassoonist, Duncan Massey.
composers were uh, actively writing gorgeous music. It's written in the early 1930s, where the avant-garde and kind of pushing the envelope of, of modernism was king, and anything that resembled consonant sounds, well, wasn't. So, mm-hmm. so this piece, the Siranda, is, is really a, a, rare, a rarity from this time period that has beautiful melodies, beautiful harmonies, very kind of identifiable uh, almost folk rhythms at times and it's just a gorgeous piece a piece that I recorded um, myself with a, the Bloomington Chamber Orchestra maybe 20 years ago um, and so it's a piece that I've it's been close to my heart for a long time and that's our concert on uh, February 25th at 7:30 p.m. That is so awesome. Um, yeah, one of the hardest pieces of music I think I've ever played in my life was by um, Villalobos, and it was a trio for clarinet, oboe, and bassoon. And like you said, they had these three very independent parts just kind of swirling around each other and occasionally came together. But um, it was such a triumph to, to coordinate it and to rehearse it over and over and over again until it finally clicked. And, I mean, what what genius. Um he right. was. I mean, it was just incredible. But um, I wanted to go back really quick to um, to Saint Georges, um, the French composer you were just describing. Um, I'm not sure if this story is true, but maybe you know. Um, but I heard that Mozart actually tried to go to France first and settle there before he ultimately went to Vienna. And the French were like, "Nah, we're good. We've got this guy. But good luck." So <laughs> Mo- Mozart ended up going to Vienna. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, have you heard that? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it certainly could be true. It could be true. He was um, Mozart did go to go to Paris specifically, and I know that he heard uh, pieces of Saint George. He saw him conduct, mm. perform, and there are there are. Uh, very specific quotations in Mozart's music where he, I mean, let's say kindly borrows, quote unquote, uh, something, some melodies that are very, very similar to Saint George. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, there's a, a, the second movement of the Symphonia Concertante for violin and viola. As a, the theme is very similar to, to uh, I believe it's one of Saint George's violin concertos. Oh, wow. Um, the last movement. Uh, of the, the, the overture we're, we're playing is sort of in three movements, and the last movement has a little bit of uh, one of Mozart's symphonies as well. And in fact, one of the motives in that last movement is also very similar to Beethoven's uh, Heroica. Oh my goodness! Movement. So I have a feeling that Beethoven himself was also influenced by him, and it it really it's very unfortunate, you know, through world history as we now know that because he was black. He was not given the attention and and a limelight that he deserved. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saint George, 
but I think that if, if, if all things being equal, we would certainly know this name because I think he was incredibly influential on a lot of composers and he, his, his pieces went beyond just what you know the single performances of his pieces it was it was something that some of the most famous composers of the day heard were influenced by it wasn't necessarily that they were stealing motives mm-hmm. it was that he really had a very powerful stylist uh, St. George had very powerful stylistic tendencies his melodies were very kind of natural and flowing and I think that it really influenced Mozart and quite possibly Beethoven mm, so as, is... as far as as far as the the situation in Paris I, I don't know I didn't know that Mozart had tried to come to to uh, to Paris before he went to Vienna. But what I do know is that St. George did have a bit of a rough time there. Uh, he um, was supposed to take a music... He did have a music director position of one of the important um, ensembles there, but he was offered a music director position of the big opera house in Paris. I don't remember at the time what it was called, And he was going to get it because he was a fantastic conductor and the orchestra loved him and everybody respected him, except there were three uh, very, at the time, famous sopranos mm-hmm. who just were offended by the fact that this could possibly be offered to a black man. Oh, and they, they, they did everything in their power to stand in his way and he ended up not getting the position. And they sort of, you know, leveraged their, their fame and their careers on the fact that absolutely, we won't perform here anymore. Mm. And sadly, uh, he didn't end up getting the position, which was a real shame because he, he really was an, an impeccable conductor and, and, and a violinist and, and a composer. And he would have really had even more opportunities had he uh, been given that position. So things like that did happen to him, as you might imagine they would. Um, but he did perform a lot and people did get to hear his music at the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no that that is a shame and and his mu- but his music prevails and thank you for programming him. He should be known just as well as Mozart given that genius and the beauty of his music. So thank I'm so glad that the Riverside Phil is going to play um, this wonderful piece of music uh, to the anonymous lover. <laughs> um, yep. So if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you about the rest of your exciting 2023 season. Um, can you give us an overview of what audiences can hear when they show up at the Riverside Phil? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, one of the concerts that we're very excited about is on June 10th. We have a concert which is called Adelante, Celebrating Latin American Heritage. And um, it's a concert that we're uh, sort of collaborating with the Cheech on. Nice. And it features a lot of music both by Latin American composers and about Latin American subject matters. So uh, the, there is a, um, the, we're doing the symphonic dances from West Side Story by Leonard Bernstein. Uh, we're doing a piece called Three Latin American Dances by Gabriela Lina Frank, one of the really top composers in the world.
she is Peruvian. And so this is a piece that really highlights Peruvian folk music. Mm. And um, I mean, she is she is really something. She is, I believe, right now she's composer and resident of the Philadelphia Orchestra. So she's she really gets played by some of the greatest orchestras and, and opera houses in the world. I think San Francisco Opera is premiering her opera uh, right around the time that we're going to be playing her three Latin American dances in Riverside in June. And then uh, that's the first half of the concert. And the second half of that concert is going to be uh, with a guitarist slash vocalist, Jose Garcia, who is just fantastic. He is, um, you know, and that's going to be Latin American songs. It could be Sinatra, some Gypsy Kings, things like Guantanamera, La Bamba. And he, <laughs> I've performed with him before and he's just absolutely sensational. So we're looking forward to him joining us. Uh, with Riverside Philharmonic. And all of that will be Saturday, June 10th at 7.30 p.m. at Riverside City College Coil School for the Arts. Wow, that sounds like an incredible program. I've got to ask, because there's so much excitement around the Cheech that just opened up last year. Um, can I ask what they're doing or, or how that collaboration is working? Well, I think um, it's been a little bit fluid because we originally were going to do this concert right at the time when the Cheech was opening. And then because of the pandemic, things got a little bit derailed. So this is, if I remember correctly, I believe this is to celebrate uh, the one year uh, anniversary of the opening of the Cheech. Oh, fantastic. That'll be great. And then listeners can go to both and you're all downtown there. So that'll be awesome. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Cool. All right. And then you've got another concert coming up in July, right? We do. And we're very excited about that one. That's a concert that uh, we have done every year for, I don't know the exact number of years, but something like 20 years at least. And that's a, it's called the Concert for Heroes. And it's a concert that we do every year, minus two years during the pandemic that we didn't do them. But other than that, it's been every single year. The night before the 4th of July, it takes place at Riverside National Cemetery. It takes place uh, at 7.30 p.m. If you've been to uh, Riverside National Cemetery, it's right there by the, there's a lake in the middle of it. There's a amphitheater right next to the lake and that's where we are. And you know, every year it's something like seven to 10,000 people are attending this concert. It's, it's really extraordinary. People sit out on, on the lawn and of course, there's a like the amphitheater itself has seats, but many people choose to kind of make a, a picnic out of it. So they go and sit uh, on all sides of that water, even if they're on the opposite side of the little lake from us. You can hear the music just fine. And there are fireworks and there are uh, airplanes that fly, military planes that fly overhead. It's something that was it's the brainchild of uh, Mike Goldware, who has who created this concert many years ago. It involves. Uh, uh, acknowledging and celebrating veterans from various wars. When I was first starting to conduct this, there were veterans from the Second World War. Uh, now, 20 years later, uh, there are the Korean War and Vietnam War veterans that are always there and acknowledged and celebrated. Some of them were POWs. Mm. Um, and it's, it's always a very moving event. And the music is its sort of a combination of patriotic music, and every year there's some film scores 
either John Williams or some movie music from the golden age of Hollywood, some, you know, short uh, light classics, but very famous symphonic blockbusters. And it's something that not just the audience, but the orchestra musicians enjoy a lot. And many people say that that's in the orchestra, say that this is their favorite concert of the year to play. <laughs> so it's something really not to be missed. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I've, I've played it a couple times just as a substitute in the clarinet section, and it is such a beautiful concert. And the, the points that you're talking about of acknowledging our service men and women, it really is profoundly moving. And, and it's such a special, special concert that um, the Riverside Phil has been able to do. Um, so I'm so glad you guys are continuing the tradition. Thank you. Well, um, one last question. Where can listeners go for more information or to buy tickets to the Riverside Philharmonic? Well, there are several ways. First of all, you can visit the Philharmonic website, which is riversidephilharmonic.org. Or you can call the Riverside Philharmonic phone number, which is 951-787-0251. And, of course, you can buy tickets right before the show at the hall. Maestro Tomas Golka, thank you so much again for your artistry and for all of the wonderful information on the Riverside Philharmonic's upcoming 2023 season. Thank you, Margaret. Websites and phone numbers mentioned in the show will be posted online with this episode at kvcrnews.org forward slash speaking. We have to take a break, but when we come back, Anthony Parnther from San Bernardino Symphony will join us to talk about their upcoming season. I'm Margaret Worsley. This is Musically Speaking. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Musically Speaking. I'm Margaret Worsley. Our next guest is Anthony Parnther with the San Bernardino Symphony, who has been the talk of the town of late with his incredible career, conducting at the Hollywood Bowl and working on motion picture blockbusters such as Encanto, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Avatar The Way of Water, amongst many, many others which we unfortunately don't have time to rave about. But Maestro Parnther happens to be the conductor of our very own San Bernardino Symphony, of which we're delighted to hear more about their upcoming 2023 season. Maestro Anthony Parnther, welcome back to Musically Speaking. It is so great to be back here with you, Maggie. 
And uh, so thank you so much for having me on the show. And yeah, I'm happy to talk about our great orchestra. I am too, and I'm thrilled you could take the time to to discuss this with us. Um, we're going to hopefully get to a preview on the whole season of the San Bernardino Symphony's 2023 season in just a minute, but could you let us in on the concert coming up in February? You know, uh, the concert on February the 18th um, really focused a lot on what a lot of my musicians asked for. I sent out a poll to some of the core members and principal members about some repertoire and asked, you know, so what repertoire would you be interested in, in doing with the orchestra? And I got a lot, and I do mean a lot, of Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony requests. So I honored the request, and uh, I don't know that the San Bernardino Symphony has ever performed the Fifth Symphony by Shostakovich, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to endeavoring the task next month. And along with that, we're doing Mozart's 20th Piano Concerto in D minor, which is a little different from the rest of this uh, concerto. It starts off rather tempestuously. Mm-hmm. And then a work by a living composer. In fact, he's the composer in residence with the National Symphony Orchestra over at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. It's a new piece called Fate May Conquer by Carlos Simon. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with our audiences. Mm, I'm so excited. And um, you nailed it. I'm most excited about the Shostakovich. Um, you've been able to expand the orchestra. So the sound we should get should just be epic. You know, when I inherited the orchestra, we were performing with a with a little over 36 to 38 string players, and uh, this is the first time that we've uh, mounted a full 60-piece string complement. You know, so we were performing, you know, large-scale repertoire with a rather medium-sized string, you know, sort of complement. But we've continued to grow as an ensemble, and we've continued to grow, um, you know, sort of our technical capabilities as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and now we will be fielding, you know, probably the biggest orchestra that we've ever had on stage at the California Theater. Yeah, and and we can hear the difference. It's incredible. Okay, looking at the 2023 season as a whole for the SBSO, you are holding seven concerts. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about each one? One of the goals that I have for our orchestra is for us at first to visit the entirety of the city of San Bernardino. Mm. And then moving forward, I want to visit the entire county. I mean, we have the largest size-wise county in the United States. I mean, we stretch all the way to the state of Nevada. Um, I have dreams of going back up to Lake Arrowhead and performing in Joshua Tree and putting on concerts, you know, uh, in all corners of the county. But this is a first start. So next season... We're actually performing at five different venues. So, you know, the the big orchestra concerts will continue to be at the Historic California Theater for the Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. But we're also uh, doing concerts at the Auditorium at San Bernardino Valley College, which is, I believe, a place you know very well. (laughs) We do. And um, also at the wonderful outdoor uh, football 
Arena at San Bernardino Valley College. But we're also going to perform over at the Recital Hall at Cal State San Bernardino. And adding on to our venues this year, we're going to do a concert, our first chamber series at the Sturgis Center for the Fine Arts. So we're really covering quite a lot of San Bernardino territory um, with our varied concerts this season. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be great, especially adding Sturgis to the mix. It's It really is historic for this city to um, to have performances there. That's so great you can go back to that venue. Um, so the first concert after this upcoming February concert looks to be on April 15th um, with a very famous pianist. Do you want to talk a little bit about that concert? Yes, it's our friend Nadia Spachenko, who is actually not a stranger uh, to the San Bernardino Symphony. I believe she's performed concertos with both Carlo Ponti and with Frank Zetta, my two predecessors with the orchestra. I wanted to bring her back because this is her first time performing with us as a Grammy winner. She recently, I think in 2020, won the, uh, the Grammy Prize for Best Classical Compendium. And uh, one of the things that Nadia had asked me to do last year, she wanted me to record... Um, this brand new piece called Invasion by Lewis Spratlin. And Lewis Spratlin is a Pulitzer Prize winning composer. And Nadia hails from Ukraine. And this piece was written in response to the Russian invasion. So the piece is actually called Invasion. It calls for chamber ensemble. and entered it into the next Grammy cycle. And, um, and we've put together a concert that's really quite varied. Uh, you know, she's going to play a little bit of the Beethoven Eroica variations. I'm going to play some piazzola with her. And we're going to do um, a couple of works by some uh, living composers, including one by Dana Kaufman, um, who I believe will be at the performance. So I'm really looking forward to sort of the variety of, uh, of, of the presentation in which uh, Nadia is going to give us. That sounds very, very powerful. And any opportunity we get to hear you on bassoon is also going to be a wonderful, wonderful concert. Just that's a given. Um, so let's see. Next up in May, on May 20th, you are, as you mentioned, um, San Bernardino Symphony is coming back here to San Bernardino Valley College, our auditorium, for some jazz yeah, I remember, you know, just because I, I, I love informality with, with my audiences. I really like to break down, you know, sort of the formal barrier between the musicians and the audience. And I like to just, you know, frankly ask audience questions. And I said, how would you guys feel if we did a, a concert that was all jazz? And the audience, you know, there's like 1,700 people sitting there. Mm-hmm. They give a rousing, rousing applause. So we responded by starting a jazz, an annual jazz concert and added that to our season. So last year we were really blessed 
to have the fantastic Josh Nelson, and this year we're really blessed to have the incredible Joshua White. So Joshua White and his quartet is going to come to San Bernardino Valley College Auditorium, and they're going to perform the music of Thelonious Monk and John Coltrane. So it'll be an exploration of these two monumental jazz figures. I can't wait. And one thing I really liked about Josh Nelson's concert, um, it felt very intimate. I know it was um, it was in our, our auditorium, and that's a pretty formal concert space. But just with the way I, maybe the sound um, was, or the stage set up, I don't know, there was a real quality of intimacy in that jazz concert in, in the auditorium. I was so happy to have attended that one. So I'm excited to hear um, Joshua White's quartet perform as well. That'll be great. Um, All right. And then we have, again at Valley, only on the football field, um, too much acclaim from our debut last year. We have the July 1st concert. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, I spent many summers as the assistant and cover conductor with both the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra and with the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl, which is arguably America's most famous outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically sort of fantasized about the San Bernardino Symphony having its own Hollywood Bowl experience. And the wonderful thing about the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra and the Hollywood Bowl itself is that families and friends all get together with food and drink and they get there early and they're enjoying each other. They're enjoying each other's company. The kids are playing. Um, and, you know, uh, the iced tea is being drank as well. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just a wonderful experience. And then we have, and then, and then, and then of course, the, the music starts. And then we cap off the evening with fireworks. And I wanted to start, start our series off by having a patriotic concert every year. And last year, I mean, we were hoping for a particular audience size, and the audience size that we had was triple that. And I sort of feel, after all the buzz from the first year, that this year's America the Beautiful concert may be double of what we had last year. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And just, you know, just sort of starting some annual traditions. Mm. And, you know, just with our orchestra starting some patterns. Like, we will always know that the first concert is going to be a big classical blowout. Then we're going to have, you know, chamber music, and then we'll have jazz, and this will be our big outdoor uh, patriotic concert where we also uh, perform music out of the American Songbook, which, of course, is immense. So we're looking forward to having Amy Keys in as one of our uh, sort of celebrity performers at the San Bernardino Symphony. Mm -hmm. We'll have gigantic jumbotron monitors so that people who are many, many hundreds of feet back can see, and we always bring in the absolute best sound. So it really is just like the Hollywood Bowl. There's tables up closer to the stage, and then there's uh, there's uh, camping chairs and blankets for those who want to have a less formal experience uh, behind, you know, and, and a little further away. But um, we can fit a lot of people on that football field, and we plan to have every inch of it covered uh, on July the 1st. Oh, man, I'm so excited. That's It's really a family-friendly 
community event. And what a gift that the symphony can bring to to San Bernardino in that capacity. I'm just so excited about that. Yeah. Um, And then the very next month, on August 12th, we go back to the California Theater, and the title of that theme is Movies with the Maestro. Do you want to talk about that one? Movies with the Maestro. Well, my day job is working in film and television music, Mm -hmm. and I thought that it it was time for me to begin to lean into that. Mm. So last year, we had our first Movies with the Maestro concert. You know, we celebrated a lot of things like, you know, for instance, I hate to say this, but last year was the 40th anniversary of the debut of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Can you believe that movie came out 40 years ago? (laughs) No. Um, Denial. No. The horror. The horror. (laughs) But I wanted to focus on some movies that I, this year, I want to focus on some movies and television shows that either had a profound effect on me or that I had a profound effect on because I worked on them. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's, it's an important concept because we're also bringing in the principles of the big uh, professional workers in Southern California. We're going to have the principal, uh, we're going to have the concert master and the principal cellist of the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra performing a work with us. We're going to have the principal trumpet from the Pacific Symphony doing a solo work with us. We're going to have the uh, concert master of the LA Opera playing a solo with us. And what I'm really excited about is that uh, Andrew Bain, who's the principal horn of the LA Philharmonic, will be per- will be doing the second performance of Chris Bauer's Concerto for Horn. Now, Chris Bowers is an Oscar-nominated film composer who's worked on such titles as Bridgerton and Green Book and so many, so many others. Mm-hmm. But he's actually written a classical concerto, and I think one of the finest concertos that has ever been written for the French horn. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do the second performance of it. I premiered it with the LA Philharmonic a couple of summer, a couple of winters ago, I should say. Mm-hmm. And now I'm bringing the piece outside of Walt Disney Concert Hall to the California Theater of the Performing Arts and we're going to give it a spin. So uh, I'm very excited for that concert. And again, it's one of those things that we'll do each year because there's a lot of movies, a lot of television shows with great music, and we're going to start performing it each year. Oh, that's so fantastic. And I know our audiences really, sometimes that's how they get into classical music is is through the movies and soundtracks. So um, to really connect those dots and bring them in is going to be incredible. And I saw that premiere when you did it at the um, with the LA Phil at the Disney Concert Hall. It was just amazing. Chris Bowers writes such beautiful music, and Andrew Bain is so talented. What a legend! Um, but tied in with the the nostalgia of movies, that's just going to be incredible. Um, Without doubt, <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, okay, next up we've got October 28th, and this will be um, the performance at Cal State San Bernardino's Recital Hall. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, I'm bringing in my friend Lucia Miccarelli. Lucia, um, I met working on television and film scores, and she's you know got an incredible career as not only a violin, a virtuoso violin soloist worldwide, uh, but she's also an actress. Hmm. I was uh, I was watching the Hallmark Channel, and there she was, you know, <laughs> acting in a Christmas movie. Oh my gosh! You know, but she, I know it's it's really incredible. So you know, Lucia's going to come out here. She's going to play for us. She's going to tell stories. She's an amazing singer, and you know, so we're going to get one heck of a show.
she's one of the best violin players I've ever heard in my life, mm. and um, and a deeply engaging performer. So I'm really excited for the show that she's going to give us, which will it, it will range from traditional fiddle music, a lot of Americana stuff, to straight up classical music as well. So um, everything from Vivaldi to who knows what. It's going to be quite a quite a show. Well, I'm excited for San Bernardino to meet her. She sounds like an incredible entertainer. Absolutely. And then wrapping up in December, um, back at the California Theater, we've got um, a program titled A Christmas Festival. What are, your, what are your big plans for that one? Yes, we have our annual Christmas Festival concert. And um, along with doing some traditional favorites, you know, from, uh, you know, the, the standard Christmas repertoire, we're also celebrating the 100th anniversary of one of the most important works for the piano, and that's Sergei Prokofiev's second piano concerto, which happens to be my personal favorite. And performing this will be our friend Rob Feast, who performed on one of the chamber concerts mm-hmm. last year. So he did a small concert last year, and now he's doing a big concert with us this year. Now, Rob Feast is quite an acclaimed performer, and I'll tell you why. The first American ever to win a major competition in Russia was Van Cliburn when he won the Tchaikovsky competition, which was, it was just unprecedented that an American could go to Russia, which we don't have exactly the friendliest, um, you know, uh, relationship with Mm -hmm. and, and to win such a major competition. The second was Rob Feast. Wow. And what did he win it with? Hmm. He won it with Prokofiev's second piano concerto. Oh, wow. So it's it's a it's a historic moment for us to celebrate one of the most important and arguably the most difficult uh, piano concerto in the standard repertoire, and have the man who won the major competition in Russia on this very work in our hall. So it's it's quite a full full circle moment for us to have Rob Peace come out and play this with San Bernardino Symphony. Oh, that's going to be just incredible. And it'll be, I'm sure, action-packed with lots and lots of other festive tunes. Absolutely. That's awesome. Anthony Parther, making history. Um, you mentioned this is your your day job where you are in it in the studios every day. Yeah. Um, and we know that there are, is it four on the Oscar shortlist that you have been yes. involved with? Um, do you want to describe a little bit about those and the experience of working on them? Yeah, let me see. And there was actually there's five. I played on one, and I just have to. Oh, Babylon. Oh, yeah, so there's five. <laughs> so there's is it Nope, Devotion, Black Panther, Avatar, Avatar and, ba- and Babylon. And Babylon. That's amazing. Um, which of those would you say was the most labor intensive? Well, I would say probably Avatar was the most. Uh, labor-intensive because we recorded that starting way back in July and we didn't finish until November. But it was a a pretty close tie with that was Black Panther, which we recorded in London at Abbey Road. Um, And I was also in the middle of conducting uh, in Philadelphia, so I actually had to fly back and forth from London to Philadelphia and back to London in order to finish the Black Panther uh, score, which which, which was pretty intense. And then Devotion, uh, which is a score by Shonda Dancy, um, uh, we recorded that in Nashville over about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And nope, if I remember correctly, we recorded that in a week, and we did that at Sony here in Los Angeles. Um, and then the, you know, and then of course there's Babylon, 
which I was a player on. I conducted, you know, Avatar Black Panther Devotion and no, but I was actually um, the bassoonist on Babylon. Awesome. And at least, you know, Michael Abels and Chanda Dancy, these are these are people of color who are having their music performed on the big screen. It just feels like glass ceilings are breaking and we're finally starting to see a little bit more representation from people of color. What was it like working with Michael? Well, Michael, I, I have known about Michael for such a long time as a classical composer, and I was a huge fan of a lot of his choral works. I remember one day I was in the theater watching, uh, I think it was uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. And normally, you know, as, as soon as I hear one measure of score, I can be like, oh, that's Alan Silvestri, or oh, that's John Williams, mm-hmm. or oh, that's James Warner. Or, <laughs> but I was like, this is unrecognizable. Like, I have never heard somebody... Uh, use such a compelling and interesting set of, of instrumentation and voices. And I get to the end when they finally reveal who the composer was. I was like, Michael Abels. I didn't even know he wrote film music. Well, that was because it was his first film. Mm, wow. <laughs> Working with him, he's, a, he is a, he's an incredible musician uh, with very high standards um, and a fantastic ear. So it's great to bounce um, it's it's great to, to really refine the product together. Um, he is he's, he's he's really an exceptional musician um, and composer. So it was it was a real honor. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love when it's organic like that. That's amazing. And Chanda Dancy, I know you've been um, a huge supporter of her music for a long time. I remember going to um, Southeast Symphony concerts where she was there because you were performing her music, and now she's she's in the club i mean she's got her music being played for these huge soundtracks that's got to be awesome to to be a part of yeah i've commissioned three works from shonda for the concert hall you know the first one was with the southeast symphony the second one was actually a piece called impermanence that we debuted with the san bernardino symphony so shonda who is now on the oscar shortlist has written a piece of the san bernardino symphony mm-hmm. has premiered and i'm premiering a third piece of hers with the atlanta symphony later this fall but uh it's been amazing uh, to watch her career grow. I mean, because she used to play in the second violin section of the Southeast Symphony, and now here she is, uh, you know, writing scores for A-level films. And it's it's been a wonderful journey to observe and be a part of. Well, thank you for all you do for your talented friends and for representation. This is so important. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing. One last question. Where can listeners go for more information or to buy tickets for the San Bernardino Symphony? Yeah, we just uh, come on out and, and, and visit our website at sanbernardinosymphony.org. And if you want a hilarious daily classical music-inspired meme, visit our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> I love our memes and gifts. I do, too. They're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, follow them. They're great. Uh, Maestro Anthony Parther, thank you so much again for taking the time from your busy schedule to chat with us about this season. I can't wait to hear and play and talk more with our community about these performances. And it's just a pleasure and an honor talking to you today. Thank you. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to speaking with you all again. We'll be posting websites and other pertinent information mentioned in the show about the San Bernardino Symphony online at kvcrnews.org forward slash musically speaking. Thanks again to maestros Tomas Golka and Anthony Parther for chatting with us today. 
We hope to see you at the symphony. Musically Speaking is a production of KVCR News in collaboration with San Bernardino Valley College. To hear this episode and past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org forward slash musically speaking. You can also listen on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, or search for Musically Speaking on your favorite streaming service. This month's episode was edited by Rick Dulock. Technical website and social media support come from Tim Steidel, Sean Houlihan, and Natasha Coles. Our student assistant is Tatiana Jennings. I do hope you'll join us next month on the fourth Saturday and following Monday for our next episode of Musically Speaking. I'm your host, Margaret Worsley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>